Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. It's always so good to uh, to be here again. If you've been with us, maybe you came last week. I wasn't here. I was out on vacation. We spent seven straight days on the beach. Um, and if you know anything, if you know anything about my family, we needed it. The beach is the best place to go for vacation with four little kids because, like, you can see them endlessly. Like, there's no way that they can run and uh, that you can't find them. And so that's nice. We also, as I told you the week before, we also choose a particular place that we found four years ago where no one else is. And so it's just our four crazies being crazy. And uh, it was really good. Uh, so thank you, those of you who, who stepped up last week. Dalton, thank you so much for teaching. Uh, there you are. I was like, where are you? Thank you so much for teaching. And uh, it's interesting. Uh, our vacation was last week. Uh, we got a lot of Glory family. Some drove all the way to Minnesota. We have, I mean, they're all around. But you're watching online. Thank you so much for joining us online. This is the last the last part of this series. Like, it's the last part of the Spirit. Guys, it's August. August 1st is today. I don't know if you guys remember this, but the first Sunday of August last year was the first time we were back together since uh, the pandemic hit. And August 4th, I think it was. And uh, we were back together worshiping at the YMCA. And you know the story of Glory Church. uh, We made it seven weeks before the pandemic hit. And so that was our eighth week in person. (laughs) was a year ago. Uh, which was, it's crazy to think about, but here we are, changed locations. Uh, I don't know what is coming, but I do know that we are here for you, uh, and, and you have a place here. And so I'm, though the Spirit-filled series ends today, the next two weeks, we're going to sort of cast vision. All right, we're going to talk about uh, the, the vision here at Glory Church, what is next. Uh, I would suggest if you have anyone in your, your friend group, your family group that you know, like, They've been looking for a church, and I would love for them to visit this place these next two weeks, all right? Can I hear you? These next two weeks are a great way, all right, for them to see the values and the core uh, essence of Glory Church, all right? So I'm really excited about it. In fact, if I could just have your promise, who are a few people that you can make sure come, like, in the next two weeks to Glory Church? Uh, We're going to be talking through our values, the what has made you love this place, we're going to be diving into and casting a vision to what is next. I uh, hopefully will have some good news. I'll just leave that there. Uh, I'll hopefully have some really good news to share with you. Um, but this morning we are concluding the series and I'm really excited for it. Uh, Spirit-filled, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And if you're like me, I was not prepared for how much I would need this this summer. I mean, I have learned the fruit of the Spirit since birth, it felt like. I mean, I taught, I was taught the song at VBS, all of the things, like I know it, uh, right? The fruit of the Spirit's not a tomato or a potato. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? We know the song. Uh, I won't sing it for you this time. But what has been so powerful is reminding my heart that like these aren't just good attributes to learn, but they're powerful things that when love comes into a room, things get shaped and shifted and culture change happens. When joy comes into a room, it changes the temperature of a place. And so we've talked about that, that the world loves to manufacture it. 
They love to, to have aspects of peace. They love to provide a type of kindness. But only through the Spirit of God are there, is there power attached to it. And so we're in the last one, and I'll just be honest, uh, I, I'm excited for it. It is the word self-control. The word self-control is where we're ending this morning, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, you know, this is self-control. Whoa, whoa, hey, right? We're there. The end. I sing it anyways. Sorry, Jess. Sing anyways. Every week I say I don't, but then I do. That's why, that's why the people are like, uh, I'm taking a vacation this Sunday. <laughs> Pastor Egg's going to sing again. But if I may start in a different way, there is a proverb. Uh, there's a proverb in the Old Testament that paints this picture of what a man without self-control looks like. And I want to not only paint that picture, but I want to color it a little bit. And we're going to color it and look at it and personify it if I can, because honestly, this is powerful. Because every one of the fruit of the spirits, every single one of them can be manufactured in the world, but only through God are they made powerful. They're made real, genuine, uh, impactful. And so as we get into this, the same is true of this one. Our culture, if you think about it, loves to elevate and honor self-control like the Olympics, those are self-controlled, self-disciplined men and women, right? They have controlled their bodies. They become masters over their bodies to do what they're doing. I mean, I'm not doing that. That ain't for me. But they're self-controlled. And so our culture elevates it. Our culture elevates the, the businessman who has overcome the life of poverty. Our culture elevates the self-control he needed to get there. But there's a difference in what biblical genuine self-control is. And so this is what the the Proverbs say. It says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Nice little short picture. A man without self-control, a man who lacks self-control, Proverbs 25 says, is like a city that was broken into and left without walls. Like literally, this is the word that Paul uses for self-control is the word mastery. Self-mastery, self-governing, the ability to command yourself. In fact, if you want a good, quick, and easy definition for self-control, it is this. Self-control is the divine ability by God to command the flesh, to literally say no to myself, to literally say no to my thoughts. The world can't do that, to literally say no to that wrong belief. It is the divine ability to command my flesh. But we see from this picture, let's go back to that painting, right? Uh, it is like a city that is broken into and left without walls. A city that was broken into. This picture right here is actually from May, this past May. This is Israel. Uh, I just wanted to, um, can, you, can you see it? Very, oh, you can't. Everyone's going to have to take a, take, a quick, take a quick look back, all right? There it is. Boom. Take a quick look back. That is Israel in May. Maybe I'll get out and you'll, you'll start being able to see it a little better. No, you know, sad day. This is a city that has been broken into so many times. I mean, right? Poor Israel. Throughout their history, Israel has been broken into. And I, I put this, uh, not just, I'm not saying that Israel lacks self-control. That's not why I'm putting this. But I, I'm personifying it a bit. We're going to color it 
because I need you to see how real this is for every single one of us. It is a city broken into, war-stricken, pillaged, robbed, abused, and left defenseless. This was in May when uh, Israel was, was bombed, yet again, uh, trying to take command, control, again. And so this picture, it's interesting. Uh, I want to personify the lack of self-control. And if you read the, the proverb, right, I feel like it's getting brighter now. Uh, yeah, wow. You just turn around and there it is. If you read the proverb, it doesn't say that you will be broken into when you don't have self-control. It's saying that you operate as if you are a city that's already been broken into. You operate like you are a city that is left without walls. It, the, the man without self-control is like that. And so I, I think that the powerful thing, if I can, before we even get into it, I want to like, dive into this and flesh it out a little bit. What would you be like? Can you put that picture back up? What would you be like if you were in this city? Because that's what it looks like. How would you respond? How would you, how would you react to family if you were in this? A city broken into left without walls? How would you respond to friends? How would you react to enemies? How would you take uh, the future? How would you handle your past? How would you perceive the obstacle in front of you? How you would handle all of that is with a lack of self-control. Because you are a city that has been broken into and left without walls. In fact, I wrote some words down. I would try to like think through this. How would I, what would I be motivated by in this present? And I put some words up. Uh, the first one's guarded, right? Like I would be guarded. I mean, obviously I can't build any more walls in my city, <laughs> but I would be guarded. You better believe that a, that a man who was broken into once at a home, like I'd be guarded. In fact, I would probably also be constantly alert. When my home was broken into, uh, we have, like I said, four kids. When, before we moved to uh, KC, our home in Arkansas was broken into. And you better believe that when your house is broken into, you are constantly alert. You're constantly alert. And with that comes the uneasy feeling, but also like a, a, a building, a home, a city that is left without walls. Think about it. You are motivated constantly by what is missing. And that's the next one. Can you put that motivated by what is missing? You want to talk about someone who's lacking self-control. A city without walls is always like, well, we need to build these walls back. We don't have enough food, so we got to get food. It's a scarcity mindset. And when you are in a scarcity mindset, you don't have any self-control. Think about it. If you're constantly motivated by what is missing, then you're pretty desperate in a negative sense. Another one I wrote down is you're unstable. I mean, a city without walls is unstable. I, th I mean, look at Israel. Look at the past year in America as riots happened and people were being broken into and it was unstable. I wrote another one down, worrisome. Worrisome is how you, you <laughs> express that would be your reality. I wrote another one down, uh, maybe some of you would be motivated to overcome your defeat. Maybe some of you would be motivated to overcome your defeat. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get that way. It's like the take back story, right? I, we all, the world elevates this. 
the world elevates a take back story. It's the, the, you know, the small town guy who was really bad at football and then he, he self-disciplined and he was going to fix that defeat on his own and then the story ends because the, the, the city was triumphant and the football team won the championship and we're like, that's a good movie. Or the woman who overcame her abuse and is now, she, she sacrificed and she climbed the ladder of success. Or the one who, who escaped poverty, they're overcoming, they're motivated by overcoming a defeat. Why? Because they were a city that was broken into, defeated, and left without walls. It's interesting. I also wrote another one down, fearful. You better believe fear struck Israel. Controlling. I don't know about you, but when I feel like I can't, or I'm defeated, or I'm unable, I want to control. Control. I want to control. And the last one I wrote down was exposed. Exposed. Now, these words, I'm going to keep them up there for a bit, because this is literally what it looks like to not have self-control. Right? Like, if you're feeling unstable, it's probably because you lack self-control. If you're feeling like all you're doing is, is to motivate, it's motivated by overcoming your past defeat, then that's a spiral of a lack of self-control. And I'll tell you why. It's really interesting. Uh, the world tells us when something like this happens to lean into control a little bit more. And instinctually, like, if you were feeling any of these things my mind would say, I need to be more disciplined. I'm feeling worry. I'm feeling fear. I'm feeling uh, like I'm constantly missing something. I need to be more disciplined. And so the world paints that picture of, hey, be more disciplined. But that only leads us to experience more of this. In fact, I, I wrote this down. Like, without the, in, any form of self-discipline, without God... Without the Lord, any self-help, self-achievement, self-control tactic, it will only lead us further into these expressions. Like, let me personify it. Think about it. Our world will romanticize this, but the woman who overcame abuse and sacrificed and is now showing that she can handle it all. Without God, do you think that she's still guarded? In fact, I think you, you know many people who overcame their past but without God, they are still some of the most guarded individuals. The man who is on Wall Street now and he, he escaped his past of poverty, do you think he's controlling? Do you think he's still motivated by what is missing in his life? Do you think he's still fearful? Yeah. And we see this at times that like control, we try to gain control, but it only leaves us feeling more of these things. Constantly alert at our bank accounts. Motivated by what is missing, unstable, worrisome, motivated by overcoming defeat, fearful, controlling, exposed, and we remain acting like a city that has been broken into without walls. Does this make sense? It's crazy. And so the enemy is like, so what you need, Greg, is more discipline. But when I do it, it just leads me back to this. Because apart from God, any form of self-help will only lead me further to be a city without walls. But I wrote this down because what are we? If you take that and switch it, I am a city fortified, strengthened, made right. I'm a city whole. If you see that the man with self-control is a strong city with strong walls, with stable government. 
with a, with a victorious outlook. There's no reason to be motivated by defeat because you're motivated by what you already have, victory. That's where self-control is. There's no reason to be fearful and be motivated by that because what you have is a strong tower. And so there's a very big difference. It's really interesting that this happens. Self-mastery, like it's held it as high regards by our society, but you keep feeling this. And it's a nasty, nasty thing. I wrote this, that you can take the person out of the broken city. You could take the person out of the, um, the <laughs> season of defeat. But that doesn't mean that they leave behind being a city that was broken into and without walls. There's only one way. There's only one way that the story is rewritten. As I have a new beginning. Right? Like, think about it. It has to have a new beginning. And so I, it's, it's interesting, believers, we cannot allow our hearts to be motivated by overcoming defeat. Those of you who maybe are struggling with addictions, those of you who are trying to struggle with uh, changing the way that you perceive yourself, you cannot say, God, give me self-control so that I don't do that again in a, in a, in a heavily, I don't want to be defeated again. Get, help me to not be defeated again. God is like, no, you were victorious by the cross. I need you to lean into victory instead of not defeat. When I say, Jesus, I don't want defeat, he's saying, Greg, you already have victory. So your self-control is going to be self-help. And it's going to lead you to feeling more alert, more fearful, more worrisome, more controlling, more controlling. I wrote this down that the spiritual fruit of self-control, it comes from a life motivated by living out our Savior's victory. Not motivated by defeat. Not motivated by the season of hardship. Not motivated by your past that you want to overcome. Not motivated by the broken city of, of your yesterday. But no, you're motivated by your Savior's victory. It's claiming, like, my story didn't start from defeat. Some of you still think, like, your whole past is of defeat. No, your life began when Jesus was victorious over death. And so your story started from victory. And I say all of this because you will constantly spiral down into a worldly self-control if you're not motivated by what you've already been given, victory. Does that make, and I know that sounds so like potato, potato, but it's not. This is why the world cannot not be a city without walls that's broken into, because that's their story. Your story is a victory. And now I constantly fall into it still. I still act like I am that city, that person. In other words, I try to do more disciplines in order to fix or to overcompensate or to overcome or to, or to perceive as being better. And all of that discipline is not self-control. If it's an overcompensation for your insecurity, then the discipline you're doing is out of your own energy. It is from a story of defeat. But instead, God, remind me of my victory. So then everything I do today flows from that, out of that. So I can be strong today, not because I'm weak, but because I have your strength. That's why I'm strong. It's not out of that that I'm going to be strong. It's out of you 
from you. And so it, it's the difference. I wrote this, so I don't live with a story that started from defeat. I live with a story, the new life that started with Jesus. It is saying, and I wrote this like, Greg, sometimes I have to talk to myself. Do you, anyone talk to yourself? I do. Greg, I can be self-controlled because of what he's already done in me. Because of what he has already defeated in me. Defeated on my behalf. Like, I don't... It's not, a, it's not a comeback story. Your life is not a comeback story. It's not a comeback story. The world romanticizes comeback stories. You're not a comeback story if you're in Jesus. Some of you, you're going to constantly think, I need to store up and fix myself, and we gotta, like, I'm going to be so controlling in my finances because what if like, something happens? I want to be prepared. All of your storing up and discipline, that's not self-control. You're going to constantly feel worrisome because you're a broken in city. But in Christ, you've been made a strong city. You're not a comeback story. You're victory. And you live out that. And I think that is the most disheartening thing. Is we as a church have put such a difference We tell people one thing, yet treat people another. We treat people like they're comeback stories. Like if you're going to overcome your addiction, you're going to have to do it by his power. Realizing that it was overcome on the cross. And it's from that strength that I can live now, that way now. Does that make sense? Like it's a very different thing If you're going to overcome your fears, some of you, your insecurities, your doubts, your worries, it's the same thing. It's it's drawing from the authority that was already on the cross. It's not me trying to learn and be better myself. And that sounds so simple, but it's not. And so as we get into this a little bit more, uh, how do you see the difference between worldly self-control and godly self-control. I mean, one, the motivating. But can we all be honest? Sometimes motivators are like the unseen. It's a behind-the-scenes thing. Sometimes we can't tell what people's motivations are. Sometimes we can't even tell what our motivations are. So how can you tell if I'm living with worldly self-control or godly self-control? The biggest way is through limitations. The worldly self-control is always a limited self-control. It means you can be really disciplined here. I mean, you can be a master at the gym. But your thought life is plummeted in lust. That's probably you're pursuing worldly self-control. While godly self-control has been neglected. It's interesting, uh, I, I wrote some things down. You may discipline your body. We see your 12-pack but are you self-controlled when it comes to your arrogance, your humility? That's when you know that worldly self-control has been dominant in my life because it's limited. I wrote another one. Sure, you may be disciplined with your money, but are we self-controlled, confident, strong, victorious, thriving with our generosity? Are we thriving in our life-building relationships? Sure, you may, you may, be self-controlled with your schedules, with your agenda, 
But are you self-controlled, confident, strong, victorious with your stewardship, with your service, with your acts of kindness? And so it's just very interesting if we're pursuing something with discipline. And right here, like, if my life is really disciplined in one area, yet lacks stability and self-control in others, then it's a tell that I might be pursuing that first one with the wrong motives. I might be pursuing that first one as if I am a, and this is for the believers in the room, non-believers, you cannot help but pursue it with a wrong motive. But for the believers, if you are realizing that your self-control is limited, it might be because the one thing that you are really disciplined in, I've got a disciplined work ethic, but your marriage is suffering. It might be because you're pursuing that one thing with the wrong motives, as if you are a city that was broken into when you're not. Are you pursuing it because you're trying to fix something that you think is missing? Are you pursuing it because you're out of fear and you think you need to contain and control? Are you pursuing it because it's a story of, of, of overcoming defeat? Are you pursuing it because of worry or fear or because you're unstable? All of those things are clear motives only to a heart that can realize their self-control is pretty limited. And I don't know, I get there. I get there. In fact, like... <laughs> Sometimes it could be a good discipline with a wrong motive. And the wrong motive will just lead you to feeling wrong, <laughs> like a broken city. I, I wrote, hey, be honest about the beach trip. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> I am a man that has like, I would say that I'm pretty self-controlled in things. Like, I am. But I... I struggle whew, when it comes to self-control in, in, in areas with my children. And a big display of it was uh, we drove nine, 18 and some change hours to get there. And we got to the beach in day one, and I was freaking out about the sand. Anyone freaks out about the sand? Like, I was freaking out. Shut up, all right? Don't judge me. We got to there. I was like, this is going to be nice. This is going to be fun. Remember, I have four kids. We're going to have snacks and food on the beach, and we have this tent. Don't put the sand in the tent. And I was, like, stressing out. I was stressed. Don't put the sand. Guys, wipe off your hands before you eat your food. You're going to eat sand. You're eating sand. You're getting sand all over things. That's my water bottle. You got sand on it. And I'm, like, I'm stressing out. And we can laugh it off. But it proclaims. That when I am in control, I am like a city. I'm pretending to be a city that is broken into without walls. And I'm frantic. And dad's got some problems. And so I may be self-controlled in one area. But the disciplines that I have with my kids, it's not as godly as I thought it was. Right? Because when they do things that I wasn't expecting and I feel out of control, I try to regain it. That is the way of the world. The way of God, though, is to realize and remember at all times he is. This is not a big deal. Some of you are very easy about that. But the sand that day was a big deal. It was a big deal. 
They had to give us a whole new name, like Sandwich should just be. I don't know. I don't want sand in my food. It's okay. I repented, and it was just the first day. It was just the first day that that was really bad. <laughs> you can ask Kate. But I wrote this. I, I really have had to ask God this. Like, if I'm going to overcome the places where my self-discipline was wrong, how do I do it? How do I do it? And so, like, this is where we're ending this morning, and we're going to sit in it for this last little section. And is this, like, self-control... The fruit of it, it starts from submission and ends with glory to God. Like if you want to know how to take your workout problem where you're in the gym all the time and you're really disciplined, but your, your, your home life isn't, what would it look like to start submitting in that place at the job play where you are, you're taking those extra hours and you don't need to. We were really disciplined, right? What would it look like for you to start with submission? And what this looks like, I mean, it looks a little different than you think because honestly, if you struggle with godly self-control, it's probably because you struggle with submission, which is literally the way of the world. I'm not submitting to a God that I don't know. We're like, well, he knows you. Like, that's the way of the world. Like, I'm not going to submit to something else. And you wonder why they are a city without walls that's been broken into. But if you struggle with godly self-control, it's because you lack submission. You hold your hands tight, I wrote down. You still think that there isn't enough and you have to gain enough. You have not let go of the defeat of yesterday. You haven't submitted it to the Lord. You haven't said, this was my my sorrows of yesterday. I'm not going to be motivated by them today. You haven't submitted The fruit of self-control starts with submission. And I wrote this down. Contrary to what the world thinks, self-control isn't claiming control over your life. Like personality tests are all helpful, but if you're using it to control yourself, to know you better, so that you can be better, that's not self-discipline. That's not self-control. That's not self-control. The world thinks self-control is is claiming control of your life, but I wrote this down. It is operating in the authority of God over your life. That's self-control. But you cannot have what you don't submit to. Some of you are the boneheaded child that is not realizing that you're a child of the king. And when you talk to the people in life, You have the authority of the king because you're the child of the king. And when you take the authority of the king into all situations, that is self-control. Because I'm controlling the flesh. I'm commanding the lies to go. I'm taking ownership of who I am. It starts with submission, though. Submission. I wrote, you know when in, in Scripture when it says like to pray in the name of Jesus? to pray in. The reason I made a capital N here is it's literally saying when you pray in the Spirit at all times, it's because you're, you're, you're conscious of the location that you're in. I'm praying in the reality of Jesus. I'm praying in 
the Spirit. I'm submitting all of my thoughts, my life, my, my, my strengths, my talents in to Jesus. And that is where self-control is. That is why I can pray that the mountain would be moved and it would move because I'm praying it with the authority of a child of God. That's self-control. We say faith moves mountains. Yes, but faith empowers the self-control to command the mountain to move. Like that's a self-control prayer. You know, the, <laughs> me, me and my friends, we had a misquote scripture Monday and we love to just make fun of like how Christians misquote scripture. One of the biggest ones is like, I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so like, I just climbed Mount Everest and I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I'm like, all right, misquote scripture Monday. And that was a cute Instagram post. You did it. You did it. No, the power of what Paul is saying when he says, I can do all things in Christ, is when trial comes, when confusion happens, when pain occurs, when things don't turn out like I thought, and when in the happy and the bad, I can be the same. I can be constant, self-controlled, resilient. I can be tempered well, even killed. Because in Christ, I can do it. That's self-control. Not that you had the ability with your thighs to get up that mountain. <laughs> That's not, I can do all things. If God tells you to climb that mountain, he will. He will give it. But we've got to realize that the victory from the Lord is with us. And so it starts from submission, but if I can end it this way, it ends with God's glory. It ends with the glory to God. It ends with the glory of God. So I have some questions for you because I, got, I think you need to realize why are you doing what you're doing? The discipline that you're doing. I wrote a few questions. Why are you taking so many extra shifts at work? Is that discipline starting from submission? Does it end with glory to God? Why are you straining yourself in that way? Why have you been spending so much time in that? So many thoughts on that. Why have you been trying to discipline your thoughts with that? Is it from submission to God? Or is it of the glory of self? Read another one. Why are you disciplining, spending, straining in that way? Is it in with the glory of God? And honestly, this is the biggest tell of if something is done with godly self-control or not. Because someone will always get the glory for the disciplined thing, right? Someone will always get the glory for it. And so who is getting the glory for it? I, I wrote this, that I may get the prize, but who's getting the glory? You, it may be your new house, but who's getting the glory for it? It might be your job, but who's getting the glory for it? It might be your money, but who's getting the glory for it? It might be your raise, but who's getting the glory you might meet those, those goals. You might lose those pounds. But who's getting the glory for it? What is the reason you're doing it? What is the motivating factor for it? You may doc, knock out the debt, but who's getting the glory for it? All of these questions are huge. Because if it's you, then you're going to end up back feeling like a city without walls. Because even those who live in self-glory, <laughs> they're the most guarded people. They're the most fearful 
that their glory will be taken, that the good thing that they love will be destroyed. They're the most feeling like they're missing something. What is the next thing that I can have glory in? But if we end with God's glory, if we're submitting everything, goodness, life change happens. It's powerful, transforming. And that's the humble reality is, is many times like the things that I do that I think that I'm really disciplined in, if it's not bleeding over and God's getting the glory in it, then it might be of wrong motives. I've got to check my heart. And so as we end this morning, Ben, if you guys want to come up, we're going to have a song. We're going to take communion together. Dalton's going to lead us in it. But I would love for us to take time and check our hearts. Even in a room where more than half of our church are on vacation, I just believe fully that there are some of you who are always and will will forever be a city that feels like you're broken into and without walls because you have never submitted to Jesus. I'm just going to say that again. Even in a room where there's like a whole row (laughs) that's empty, there's some of you who have never submitted to Jesus before. You've never submitted. And so no matter how many good things you think you're doing, no matter how many good disciplines, good tricks of the trade to add into your life, you still feel broken and hurting and heavy. You're constantly living a story of defeat that you're trying to overcome. The truth of the gospel is he says, like, I have a new story written for you. It's one of victory. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.